0: Welcome to COVID-19, The Unwanted Visitor, a podcast hosted by the Caribbean Tourism Organization's communications specialist, Johnson John Rose. In each episode, you'll hear from a different expert on the new challenges facing us in the Caribbean tourism industry. It's as bad as one could expect. The words of Peter Serda, the original vice president in the Americas, for IATA and the current state of the airline sector. In view of the coronavirus pandemic, he discloses in this episode that if the crisis continues through to the end of the second quarter, it could cost the Caribbean $740 million in losses to GDP and put 23,000 jobs at risk in aviation alone. Add the rest of the travel sector and the impact on GDP could reach $6.5 billion and job losses up to 255,000. And he issues an appeal to Caribbean governments looking to resume air travel after the crisis, lower passenger taxes. Let's hear from Peter. Peter, thank you so very much for uh, speaking with us. Uh, uh, First of all, uh, I'm looking at some of the stats from IATA, Um, 82% lower for the second quarter, that is worldwide flights. Second quarter, when compared to the similar period last year, further declines possible, um, 4.5 million flight cancellations, 315 billion, yes, billion in lost revenue, um, airlines running out of cash, and that's globally. And, and then there is the, the Caribbean, of course, we will want to touch. Uh, you, you, you've said, Peter, that the airline, the travel, All travel is in the free fall. Airlines are at bare bones. Uh, How bad is it?
1: It's uh, as bad as one can expect. Uh, This is an industry that in the past um, has faced its challenges. It's a fragile industry. It's an industry that's very dependent on external factors outside the control of the industry. Economic, financial, social. Uh, natural disasters have in the past uh, impacted the industry. Uh, but it's a, an industry that's always been able to pick itself up. Um, but this is a very different type of crisis. This is a global crisis that is having an impact all around the world. Uh, we've had waves in the past, uh, but nothing to this magnitude. Uh, being in the Caribbean and, and you know, Air travel is so important to the self, to social and economic well being of that region. Uh, it's probably the region that's most dependent on travel tourism in all the world. And that's an important statement to make uh, of how important air travel is. On a daily basis, we have about 200,000 flights that go into the air around the world. Today, roughly 85% of those scheduled flights are on the ground. Uh, So the new norm is seeing empty airplanes, it's seeing empty airports, and almost little or no uh, passengers flying around the world. And as you mentioned, the the, the financial impact is is quite significant, quite important. And and that is having not only effects on the air travel business, but also on the social well-being of of the normal citizens around the world, on the Caribbean. People from Barbados, people from Antigua, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, who are so dependent on air travel, not only for them to travel, but also to receive the needed goods that they need to live on a daily basis. Just for the Caribbean, the impact is, is significant. You, you talked about the global. The impact on the industry just in the region is about $6.5 billion. And there's a risk of three hundred fifty-five uh, hundred thousand. dollars jobs that may be at risk and when we we encompass the entire travel and tourism these numbers are even higher it's also important i think to reflect on the impact on the north american market and that impact is 304 billion dollars and why do i make mention to north america because a large percentage of the travel and tourism that comes into the caribbean is coming from north america and while the, con- the, the pandemic will be resolved at some point, we also will have the economic crisis. And that is also going to be very important how to address. So it's a difficult situation for the in- industry at this point. The pandemic, what's going to follow, the way we're going to have to travel is going to be a big challenge.
0: Now, now you talked about, again, North American Airlines and understood nearly half of all uh, over arrivals come from the United States Uh, we understand that and then there is also Canada as well so North America is really responsible for over half as you said I'm I'm reading from Reuters uh, that said as of the 6th of May the US carriers uh, together burning over 10 mil- billion sorry 10 billion in cash a month only averaging about 17 passengers per domestic flight 29 passengers per international flight this certainly can't
1: be sustainable can it no it's it's impossible and and the US is one of the few markets where you have still a level of scheduled services about 20 to 30 uh, percent actually the month of May the numbers will actually dip even more um, but this has become a, a global problem it, it doesn't matter if you're American Airlines or Qantas from Australia or British Airways from the UK or Avianca in Colombia um, no airline has enough financial resources to um, have the airplanes grounded uh, for an unlimited amount of time most airlines have enough liquidity to have to sustain a type of crisis like this for two three months, uh, only a very small handful of airlines that have sound financial uh, financial sheets uh, can handle this type of situation for six or seven months. And this is why, uh, from our standpoint, uh, Mayata and the industry, we've we've made a, a very strong call out to our governments around the world, uh, asking for uh, financial support uh, to our government we're not asking for uh, financial bailouts what we are asking is that governments do support the industry during this time in which airplanes are grounded you can't fly uh, most there's over 180 countries around the world that have either restricted or closed their borders so it's really outside the control of the airlines but the airlines still have 50 to 60 percent of their bills that they need to to fulfill on a daily basis. And more importantly, uh, the well-being of their staff. You know, How long can they maintain their staff? Um, while in the Caribbean, the number of staff in an airline may be smaller to a U.S. carrier, it's still a significant financial burden. And this is why we're asking governments to, to be part of the solution to help. Uh, to help in, in terms of reducing taxation issues. Um, lending uh, uh, airlines through their financial institutions, uh, on low interest loans, et cetera. And many many countries have actually stepped up to the plate. Uh, many others haven't. And those countries that are helping the industry will position themselves in a much better uh, way when the crisis is over uh, to reinstitute flights. In those countries where they are not helping their airlines, those airlines are going to be in a very difficult situation to be able to restart. Uh, They may not have the capability, they may not have the financial capabilities to restart. And this is why we've also said this industry will look very differently uh, from a sustainable and structural standpoint once we come out of this uh, um, crisis in June, July, whatever the date will be. It will be a very different, it will be a much smaller industry, it will be a much more limited industry, and the capacity of the destinations that it served before the crisis Will not be the same uh, once we leave in June and July.
0: Okay, let me let me try to get something clear here. So you're you're saying that the airlines have asked governments, and would that include governments of the Caribbean to assist? You said we don't want a bailout, but we need assistance, tax relief, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Does that include governments of the Caribbean?
1: Uh, yes, we have not discriminated any government around the world and and again the Caribbean plays a very important role Not only for the those uh, carriers in the region the Caribbean Airlines Liat InterCaribbean, Caribbean um, but also uh, The American Airlines the, the British Airways uh, the Condors that serve this market uh, JetBlue uh, because they, they all play a very important and vital role in the connectivity to these countries so whereas in the, in terms of the government, in terms of financial support, financial um, uh, loans, obviously, that's going to be focused more on the carriers that are based in the Caribbean. But then governments can also do, uh, you know, they can have uh, other initiatives that help the international carriers continue to operate there, lowering uh, passenger fees and taxation fees, um, one of the biggest problems that we've always faced in Caribbean is the Caribbean is a very highly taxed um, market and it's always taxed on the airline side on the passenger consumer side and this will be a big challenge uh, for the Caribbean once we leave uh, once we are able to escape from this uh, uh, crisis uh, and the reason I say this is for the first several months people are going to be very hesitant to get on an airplane. Uh, Most of their travel will be near their homes. There is one advantage that the Caribbean has. It's its relatively close proximity to North America. So as you see North Americans, Canadians, Americans, beginning to have more confidence in air travel, they will have to decide where they go to, and they will want to be relatively close to their homes. And that's a great opportunity for the Caribbean. But because of the financial crisis that will follow, the apprehensions apprehensions that the consumer has, if the Caribbean does not position it itself that it is competitive, it has a good level of service in terms of medical services, it has the right um, procedures being implemented, these passengers may decide to go somewhere else, somewhere else in Central America, Mexico, or even, see in the U.S., And this is why uh, we've made a call out to government on on how important it is to work collaboratively, uh, to have a very aligned restart plan uh, so we can reinitiate operations and connectivity to the region as best as possible. But the governments are going to have to invest. They're going to have to invest in their uh, airline uh, uh, partners. They're going to have to invest in their hotel Partners, they're going to have to invest in and help the airports make sure that we have the resources that will permit the industry to come back strong and provide that connectivity to the Caribbean citizens around the region.
0: And there are two or three things that you, you said that I'd like to touch on as well. One of them was that the governments that help you now would likely be the ones that will receive service when things return to some sort of normality. Uh, one listening to you here could easily suggest, hey, what Peter is saying, if you scratch my back now, I'm going to scratch your back later. Is, is, is this what—is—is is a correct or fair interpretation?
1: Um, it could be interpreted that way. What I, I, let me give you a, a good example. Hopefully that will help. Um, British Airways has already announced that Gatwick Airport um, will not see any foreseeable air traffic from that airline to around the world. They're going to focus their their um, their operation at Heathrow. They're actually they will let go uh, a large percentage of their staff from Gatwick.
0: Virgin actually announced yesterday too that it was shutting its Gatwick operations. Over 3,100 staff were going home.
1: So if you look at where, for Virgin and for British Airways, where most of the connectivity is between the UK and the Caribbean, it's at a gateway. So the first question, if I'm a government, I'm going to say, well, will that flight be pushed over to Heathrow? That is already slot constrained, that is already limited, and the airlines are going to be much smaller from a structural standpoint. They're going to have to decide where we fly to. I want I to won't have the same size um, carrier that I had before. I want to have the same number of people or the staff, or I want to have the same number of airplanes. So I'm going to have to decide where I'm going to operate. And w- when the airlines begin to assess that, is it, you know, am I going to continue to operate to traditional markets that have been financially sound, good level of uh, load factors, and that I have a future or do I choose others where I have more opportunities? And again, this is where I come to the Caribbean. Um, it, it won't be the same market. So how do we guarantee, and this is an industry-wide um, item that we have to work to collaboratively with our government. How do we ensure that British Airways does continue to operate and virgin? And for that, there it has to be incentivized. Uh, the industry is going to have to incentivize its passengers to get back on airplanes. And that will probably be, cheaper flights. It's going to have to be also, because of the stigma that there is, there may have to be procedures at least in the short term in which middle seats may be left uh, empty to bring confidence back to the traveling public. So we're going to have to look at different options to stimulate the market and to guarantee that that scheduled flights or connectivity continues. So it is going to be in the best interest and it's going to be in the best interest of the region, the Caribbean to do that. And again, this is why we've also approached our governments in the Caribbean to start looking at our restart. Let's work collaboratively. What needs to be done? Where are the opportunities? Because if British Airways does cancel their flight to one of the Caribbean destinations, it doesn't matter what your tax, consumer taxes or your passenger taxes, that passenger from the UK is not going to have the opportunity to fly to that country. The same thing for the Caribbean, you will have less connectivity to the rest of the world. So what we're saying to the to our governments in the region is, we need to have a strong plan in place. We need to safeguard the well-being of the industry at this point in time, to make sure when the, the industry does restart, when the economies do restart, the air transport industry is in a, a position that can be a strategic business partner of the government to help the economy restore itself.
0: You also mentioned impact of all of this on the the Caribbean. You touched on it a little bit. Um, You mentioned, for example, the cost to GDP and you mentioned job losses. Uh, Can can you repeat, did you say 20 plus thousand jobs
1: lost? So we're talking about in terms of the Caribbean The impact in GDP is roughly about $740 million. Uh, It's our estimate. And again, let me um, make a point here. And these are estimates that we base on if the crisis continues through the second quarter. If the crisis continues beyond that, then obviously these numbers would be uh, different. We have 23,000 jobs that are at risk as well. Um, But aviation is not the only equation. In this, we're just part of the equation, because if you look at the impact, the wider component, if you look at the entire travel and tourism sector, uh, it's it's actually devastating. There, the numbers actually increased to $6.45 billion, and we put 355,000 jobs at risk when we talk about hotels, restaurants, tour operators, uh, agencies, uh, and so on.
0: And, and you, 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 you're talking to, you mentioned, leaner services, smaller, fewer aircraft, fewer airlines also flying, at least in the immediate future.
1: Well, I think that's a reality uh, that we're seeing. Uh, IATA has over 300 airline members uh, around the world, and, and some of them have already seized operations. They just did not have the financial capabilities to sustain a, a crisis of this magnitude where you have, you know, in some cases, 100% of your fleets on the ground for an extended period of time. That's the risk that we, we, we run with now in, in the region that as, as this crisis continues to extend itself, the risk uh, grows by the day that we will have less and less airlines uh, in, in, in the market. And those airlines that do survive, uh, and there is government support, even with the government support, the airline will be very different from what it was prior to the crisis hitting us. And we also have to recall, uh, most of our countries in Latin America and Caribbean, we've been on a lockdown for six, seven weeks now, almost going into eight weeks in some cases. Um, We're about two weeks, two to three weeks, behind uh, Europe and other parts of the world. So that means you know, we are just in the middle, or let's say the eye of this hurricane, uh, that will continue for some more weeks. Uh, many of our borders are now still remaining closed uh, through the month of May. The expectations, the hope is that we can begin uh, domestic or intra-regional traf- travel uh, in the beginning of June and looking at more formalized um, uh, international schedule after July. So it's still some time before we, we, we really get the wheel rolling that we have a sense of confidence that you know, we're beginning to get out of this crisis, we're getting somewhat back to normal, and connectivity is improving. It's still some time away for us. What
0: is it that you're saying, Peter, that suggests to you that we can have some sort of flights again, intra-Caribbean, as you suggested, uh, June, July?
1: Well, uh, I would, I would in, in terms of the intra-regional or intra-Caribbean, I think sometime in June we'll, we'll begin to see that. Um, many of the borders restrictions that we have in the Caribbean and in other parts of Latin America will tentatively are scheduled to to open up at the end of May. Now, if the situation with the pandemic was to get worse, obviously those deadlines would actually push into June. But if, if we are to maintain, let's say, what we have right now, uh, June would be the time frame in which airlines would begin to slowly restart their operations. And obviously, where we're going to see this first is going to be in the domestic or in intra-regional connectivity in the case of the uh, Caribbean. But it's it's not
0: that you're seeing anything or you've been told anything in that regard. You, you're just basing this on the fact that uh, borders are scheduled to open at the end of May. Is that it?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, right now, um, you know, the, the one reason why air traffic or air travel is, is, is basically stopped is because countries or governments have mandated uh, quarantine or restrictions or closure of their borders. And from an industry standpoint, we fully support the, the actions that governments have taken. The first and foremost responsibility of everyone is the well-being of our citizens and to try to fight this pandemic in the best way. So the steps that governments have taken, obviously we as an industry support it 100%. It has a devastating impact on the industry because it's basically at a stoppage, but it's needed to take place. Now we're somewhat in the hands of our government in terms of when they will slowly begin to um, open its borders and remove restrictions. And at that point, it's when airlines can begin to schedule and coordinate flights within the region and into other areas.
0: What, what what must the main carriers for the Caribbean? Of course, Liat is the main intra-Caribbean carrier. And um, we've got inter-Caribbean as well that does sort of the northern, northwestern, uh, countries in the caribbean uh, there is win so there are a few of them but liat clearly is the best known in terms of intra-caribbean what can all of these smaller caribbean airlines and those that are flying intra-caribbean learn from say uh whiz air which as of the 6th of may had its first flight out of luton in the uk to countries like romania hungary Bulgaria, Portugal, uh, about 26 quid per flight one way, while major carriers are still struggling on the ground.
1: Well, a- again, in, in, you know, an airline like Wizz Air or, or some others uh, are able to do this. Um, one, because restrictions are being relaxed. Um, they're able to select their, their, their uh, flight frequencies between countries that borders are open and there is that flexibility. We don't have that flexibility here. At the same time, I I will say, um, it's difficult to compare airlines from different regions um, because the playing field is so different. Um, The Caribbean airlines have huge amounts of challenges. Um, It's a very high cost region to operate into and within. It is a a region with um, huge bureaucracies. Uh, Air travel has always been very competitive uh, because you're competing against North American carriers most of the time with the European. So it, it's always a, somewhat of a catch-up game. What are we saying to our members? What are we saying to governments now? Uh, this is why the time is now to look at the restart, to have a plan, to make sure that we're able to position ourselves when we are ready to operate. We take the very first moment to begin to initiate this operation. If we wait till May 31st uh, to start discussing well, what are they going? What are the procedures going to be? Um, how are airlines going to operate? How are they going to transport passengers? What's going to be the protocols? Uh, we're, we're going to be three or four weeks delayed. Uh, and when you look at a Wizz Air, um, and they work, they're working very closely with the regulators. Plans have already been put in, in motion even before the first flight has been announced. That's what we have to do: in the Caribbean and start looking at one. What are the procedures? How are we going to manage, uh, not only the expectations of our passengers, but what are we going to do to safeguard that these passengers are able to fly on board and to transit through our airports and that they don't um, uh, pass the virus if they happen to have it to someone else or not. So we ha- it's going to be very important to work with the health organ- uh, associations, uh, health ministries, to make sure that we're able to implement procedures and standards that safeguard the well-being of our our traveling public. Because again, the first thought of mind of of consumers or passengers, is it safe to travel? And there's a stigma. People are actually afraid. And scientifically, there has been nothing proven that people are getting or could get sick on airplanes. Uh, Actually, the protocols that we have on board the airplanes are extremely safe. Uh, The ventilation on board uh, most of these modern airplanes are circulated every two or three minutes. Um, But there's that concern. This is why it's important for the health ministries to work with transport, with work with the industry to make sure that we have the right um, layers of guarantee, layers of oversight that need to be put into place. And also we need to educate our passengers because the passengers are going to have responsibilities even before they come to the airport. To make sure that they're uh, viable, uh, let's say candidate to get on an airplane, that they don't have, it, they're not carrying the symptoms, that they're fit to fly. A lot of, uh, of work is still needed, but we can't, we can't be reactive. We need to be very proactive in this case. That has been a mistake that we've committed in the past in the region. But I will say, in the Caribbean, um, because it is a region that is so susceptible to hurricanes and natural disasters. It is a, a, a region that has always adapted very quickly and adjusted. I think we need to do the same thing here to make sure that we're in a position in June uh, to be ready to go back into the air.
0: So what must the restart plan look like?
1: Well, I think the first uh, part of the restart plan is the health ministries in our government within the Caribbean uh, need to implement uh, or make known what are the procedures going to be for passengers to get on in an airplane. What we hope will happen, and this has been a call out that we have done around the world, we need to take advantage of the world health organizations. We need to be collaborating amongst governments to ensure that we implement procedures and standards that are globally accepted. We cannot make the same mistakes we did with post 9-11, where countries made unilateral decisions in terms of the types of security measures that were going to be implemented. We're still suffering that today. security procedures that are in place in the US are very different from those that are in the the UK or in Europe. With this type of of crisis that we're living today, we cannot risk putting the health uh, of our passengers at risk. This is why we need to make sure that the procedures that we do put in place are going to be uh, accepted among states, are going to be aligned and that are, are in accordance to the World Health Organization. If we're able to do that, we're gonna be in a very good position. Uh, if we start doing things unilaterally, it is gonna be very chaotic. People are going to be very concerned about flying, and they're just not going to uh, to come to the region. From an in- industry standpoint, we need to be using technology much, much better. Uh, we need to be using uh, biometrics uh, self-service kiosk. The passenger can do a lot of uh, of the advanced uh, processing even before he gets to the airport. So there, we're going to be able to uh, separate the passenger from that you know, social distancing or so- social connectivity with others at airports, immigration, passenger checking, because that passenger will have done a lot of the groundwork before they even get to the airport. So we have to take advantage of the technology. We need governments to be Um, much more aligned, uh, very effective in their procedures to implement um, across uh, the entire gamma uh, to make sure that uh, when we go back into the air, the system is safe and secure.
0: Okay, so so you think that uh, there's going to be more contactless, so if you're on the aircraft and you're purchasing something, encourage contactless cards, um, passengers doing their own bag handling, so you deliver the bag somewhere else, um, as of so very little contact with other people, uh, that's going
1: to be sort of the norm. So so it it certainly, what we have to look at is at a layered uh, approach here. The only way that you solve the pandemic is having a a, um, vaccine. And obviously right now, in the short term, that is not available. So we have to implement a layered approach in which we reduce the risk of cross-contamination. Um, and this is why we're looking at passengers uh, doing a lot of their pre-check-in uh, work or taking on that responsibility where before it was very common getting to an airport, uh, you check in, you leave your baggage with it, the person at to check in, he gives you your boarding card and you walk on through immigration. All these are, are opportunities and it, this is already happening. It's not anything that we're going to be implementing that's new. Uh, what's happening is it, it just doesn't take place in all places uh, around uh, around the world. So we need to take advantage of the self-kiosk, self in opportunities, self-boarding. Uh, biometric is going to be another component, but the layer approach is going to be very important. And it's not only going to be left to the aviation sector. Um, governments need to also ensure that the health systems is going to be at par of what is expected. So, for the Caribbean that's so dependent on travel and tourism, one way to guarantee, you know, to at least put position yourself for the North American travelers to come into the Caribbean is that the passengers do feel comfortable that if something does happen to me, the health system that is in that Caribbean country can meet the needs uh, that I will need, uh, and that is very important particularly to stimulate uh, traffic. Traveling will not be the same in the short term, that we know for a fact. Uh, Airlines are going to have to be uh, very flexible. They're going to have to abide by the regulatory uh, requirements. Uh, But we went through this. We've gone through this with 9-11. We've gone through this with other uh, uh, viruses that have impacted uh, different regions in the past, and we've been successful. But we've been successful only when Uh, There's good collaboration and alignment with governments and the different ministries that are are responsible for implementing these measures. So you think that um, some
0: of these key protocols and this has become, you know, as much as social distancing protocols is probably the second most used uh, word or term um, since since COVID-19 and its onset. Do you think that all of these protocols or the key ones that are necessary that the Caribbean countries will be ready with those in time for resumption of some
1: sort of air service by next month? I am confident as long as the discussions begin to take place, uh, this is going to be critical. We are at a time and when we look at the Caribbean again, it's not uh, that air transport work only in isolation with. let's say the health ministries or transport. This is all about government collectively working with the entire travel and tourism gamma. It's working with the airports, with the airlines, with the hotels, bringing restaurant associations into part. It, it, for Caribbean that's so dependent on travel and tourism, we have to look at it holistically. If we look at it from an individual standpoint, now the airlines can do everything possible or a government can do everything possible. But if part of that value chain or the supply chain breaks down, we're going to have problems. Uh, we are still in time. It is This is the right moment for governments to work within the industry. Uh, we also know the challenges of the Caribbean. In, in a month's time, we, we will be going into hurricane season. And this brings added uh, complexity to, the, to what's going to happen in, in this part of the world. So it, it's very important. Uh, speed is part of the game now. Uh, it's all about aligning, Coordinating, what is the World Health Organization doing? What are other countries doing? And, and looking at best practices, what has New Zealand done that it has been able to open uh, businesses and it's beginning to uh, do connectivity with other countries? We have to look at this. Uh, if the government is able to do this, I think it, I do believe we will be successful. Uh, but governments, the, the the ministers, the heads of states, need to begin to have this dialogue now. And it can't be Trinidad and Tobago looking internally only. It has to be also externally. They have to be talking to Barbados, to Antigua, and vice versa. They need to be talking to the North, North Americans uh, as well because of the close uh, uh, connection between uh, these two areas. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, but a lot of it it is already on the table. We just need to put the plan in place. And also, very importantly, communicate it to our citizens. We need to communicate what the plan is going to be, how it's going to look, how it's going to impact them, and what is the responsibility that we're going to be putting on our consumers, our citizens, our passengers to be able to try to get back as normal as possible to their day-to-day lives. In 30 seconds or less,
0: what do you see in store for the future of Caribbean tourism?
1: I want to just provide a few more numbers. I know we've we've passed a lot of numbers. Before we went into this crisis, uh, aviation was a a significant and strong economic enabler in the Caribbean. Uh, More than $27 billion in tourism spending was made by air travel, supported close to $35.9 billion in GDP and $1.6 million in jobs. Almost 14% of the GDP of the Caribbean. That is where government, industry, all the Caribbean citizens, we need to be looking at. How do we get to the numbers that we had before? That's what we we should be striving. Why is it important? It's important for the social and economic well-being of our citizens in the Caribbean and to those who travel to the Caribbean that have been long loyal um, guests of of this region we need to work strongly uh, aligned and collaboratively to make sure that we can bring the caribbean um, quickly back to these type of numbers that we had in the past it's only in in the best benefits of the caribbean if we're able to do that if we are in doing this in an aligned manner coordinated governments are transparent we are going to be successful it will take time it will not be done in six seven months it may take us two to three years to do it but we will see progress come very, very quickly.
0: And in order to stimulate travel in the immediate future,
1: you're suggesting lowering the taxes on the travel, on, on the passenger? I think that's going to be critical. Government will have to, unfortunately, we know how important these taxation, these tax dollars are to the well-being of the Caribbean. But at this moment, it's all about stimulating consumers and travelers to come. Right now, There's very little of it. Once we restart, then we won't see much improvement. So we have to stimulate that travel. And the only way to do it is be be competitive. The Caribbean will have to be competitive, more competitive than let's say other places uh, like Cuba or Mexico or South America or even staying within the US. Uh, So yes, government uh, need to help the industry, need to help the entire supply chain, uh, value chain, and they will have to for a period of time uh, make it competitive for travelers to return. And if
0: all the stars align and all of what you suggested happens, how quickly can we return to air traffic normality?
1: Um, It's going to be two to three years. Two to three years before we come back to the numbers that we had before. But the Caribbean is I think when we look at the Americas region, Latin America and Caribbean is probably the best position of all because of that close relationship that it has with North America, the, its close connectivity, its close ties, social, cultural, and also the Caribbean is a beautiful place to go. Uh, North Americans love going to the Caribbean. So the opportunities are, are there. Um, we won't, it will take us some time, but if we're able to put these plans in place relatively quickly, we will see good growth, um, and and that what we want to see is that growth, good steady growth over the next couple of years um, uh, for travel to go. Boeing has said it will take the industry three to five years to get back to normal. Uh, so you know th- there's uh, pessimistic. There's others that are more optimistic, like the minister of transport in in, in Jamaica that says within a year. Uh, some airline CEOs say it will take them six to seven years to get back. Um, but again, a lot is dependent on, on us all, government, private sector, public sector, to work collaboratively in, in trying to foremost, let's restart. Once we restart, the, ball, the, the wheel is rolling, and then we can see what we need to do to adapt to, to the needs of the future.
0: Thank you so much, Peter. Appreciate your time.
1: Thank you very much. We appreciate the, uh, the opportunity and, and air travel will get back. Air travel will be an economic enable for the Caribbean. And we know the Caribbean will be back in, in, in a short time. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.